0: You sweetheart, you're so funny. <laughs> you <see> <laughs> you "Yeah, do do the dance." Oh, the glory's thick up here. Jesus, wow! Uh-oh. Praise God! <laughs> I don't know, Weaver, Weaver. Do you ever get like that? <laughs> like I walk up and all of a sudden I'm like, "Well, we just." I just want to say this: people are the priority. People are the priority, right? So what we did today and kind of shifting the time schedule and. Um, moving things around so that we can minister is God's heart. That is God's heart. Because if we just stick to form and fashion and agendas, we're actually missing the mark and the point. Can you say amen? Anybody agree with that? All right. Turn to your neighbor and say people. Ah, the whole point. That's right. They're the whole point, right? So praise God. I, um, I always ask Father what he wants me to preach because, quite frankly, I don't want to waste my time or yours. So when I was talking to Father about it, uh, actually this morning, because my my week has been long hours, I heard no longer a sacrifice. And then I was reminded of this scripture. Laura had purchased me a Passion Translation Bible that um, the Lord had given me in Song of Songs, and we'll get to that later. Um, but it talks about the love between... Our beloved and his bride and how this bridegroom, this bride of Christ, gets to the place where she's so in love with him that serving him is no longer a sacrifice. Anything that comes, the persecutions and different things, it's no longer a sacrifice. It's no longer hard. It doesn't matter what the pain is. It doesn't matter what the problem is. It doesn't matter what the attacks are. It just doesn't matter anymore. So that's going to be today's focus. We're going to talk about that at the end. it will kind of bring it to close. But some of the questions that went through my mind, at least as a young believer and even really as a mature believer, was, Lord, just can you let me know I'm here and I know we're going there. Can you let me know what it looks like in between? Can you give me a little bit of an idea? How long is this going to take? Right? Anybody else been there? Come on, Lord, how long is this going to take? Pull my little watch out and be like, okay, tick, 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 tick. Tap, 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 tap. Tick, tick, today. Andre, Andre, riba, riba. Right? Does it ever end? Is another question I ask, Lord, does this ever end? I feel like I've gone around this mountain so many times. uh, Does this ever end? I mean, do I ever get better at this, right? You have those seasons where you're actually improving in spirit, but you don't feel it or you don't see it yourself because you're in that process of participating in the experience of being completely consumed by the love of God. And, and we can't always see clearly in those moments and realize, wow, I've come so far. Today, I just want to give you a heads up. I am going to be reading uh, from the student Bible in the NIV. And we're specifically primarily going to be working out of Second Peter, okay, chapter 1. And I'm just going to read you the whole context here, and then we're going to break it down the way the Lord broke it down for me this morning. I actually got this entire sermon in literally 10 minutes. I was like, well, that was fast, Lord. Good thing, because I didn't have much time this morning. <laughs> and then, of course, he meted it out, you know, point by point, precept by precept, um, as, I, as I began to make the PowerPoint. So we're just going to read the chapter, this piece here, 2 Peter 1, down through Let's go through, yeah, let's go through 10. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and finally to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Come on. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of y'all want a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom? Amen? Yes, right? Sometimes in the world or in the church and corporate world, we're told that what gets us a rich welcome into the kingdom is supernatural signs and wonders, right? Someone flowing and healing or the glory falling or glory dust or whatever. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says if we do these things, we will never fall. And we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. I was like, "Who, Jesus. I want to start with a context. Peter is speaking to a very young church here. He tells us later in chapter 1 why he wrote this book, or in chapter 3, excuse me, Second Peter 3, 1. He says, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. How many of you have had to battle wholesome thinking with everything going on in the nation? And <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> right? Okay. It's all right to raise your hand. He's got us covered. Amen? It's all right. It's been hard. Not only because of everything going on, but the increase of witchcraft in the atmosphere in that second heaven has been rough, right? So if you're not having thoughts bombard your mind, you may be swimming the wrong way down the river. you might be floating down the river with everybody else but if you're swimming upstream if you're making headway for the kingdom you're probably hearing and sensing and coming under the attack of some of those thoughts because it's thick right now Amen. so I want to encourage you say self be encouraged you're worth attacking that's right that's right you are okay so the fact that you're under attack isn't a bad thing. It's okay. It just means you're a threat to the enemy. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Yes. Amen. This, then I want to go into this second piece here. So this church was having some issues with what Joyce Meyer loves to call stinking thinking. All right? I love the way she says that. In chapter 1, verse 2 here, it says, Grace and peace. Be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. They didn't have peace. They were not able to to obtain the grace to overcome. They were struggling with this unwholesome thinking. But his divine power has given us everything we need for peace. And Paul says here that grace and peace are available to us in abundance. Peace in this particular verse is defined this way in the Greek. To be one. That's interesting. Come on. Make them one, Father God, as you and I are one. I and them and them and me and you and us. Come on. It means to be one. It means peace. It means quietness. Do you ever go into spiritual warfare into prayer and all of a sudden you feel everything in the room go, right? I can remember praying for my mother-in-law's at the time um, mom, and she was into psychics and into gambling and into all this other stuff, and we get into her house, and you can feel the buzz bzzz, in the house, and she's like, well, I see these things, like sometimes this woman comes to me in my sleep, and I'm like, oh, well, you're opening some doors, right? Holy Spirit said, just ask her if she would like you to pray. I said, okay, would you like me to pray? She said, yes. So we pray, we say what Holy Spirit says to say, we take authority over it, we command everything to leave that's not of him in Jesus' name. And you could, it was like electricity went out of the room, negative electricity, okay? And the whole room was filled with stillness. Within 30 seconds, I said, do you feel the difference? She goes, yes, I do. I said, well, that's Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit, that's what God does, quietness. And it was like she could think mind wasn't in turmoil anymore. It was beautiful. It means peace of mind or invocation of peace. It's a common Jewish farewell, for those of you that don't know. Shalom, they say. That's why I always tease, and I say, shalom, shalom. (laughs) Peace, peace, right? It literally means the entire health and welfare and well-being of an individual in all aspects of their life. So how do we walk in, experience, receive the grace and the peace and abundance? It says through our knowledge of God. We have to know who God is, okay? Basic instructions before leaving earth. The reason it's Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, is because you need it while you're here. When you're there, you're not going to need it anymore because you're going to be able to see him. <laughs> right? We, we need to know who God is. It says through our knowledge of God. We need to know he is good. We need to know he is faithful. We need to know he always forgives. We need to know he's generous. We need to understand the kindness and the severity of God that he's a good daddy and he disciplines his kids and he don't play. When he says no, he means no. When he says go, he means go. Right? And then it says, and through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not just the knowledge of the Father, this holy, perfect, loving Father who has a holy standard that he's set in place, but it's also through knowledge of Jesus Christ and the finished work of him on our behalf, on your behalf, and that we can go boldly before the throne of grace, that he sits literally upon the throne of grace whereby we can go boldly and obtain mercy and receive grace, the empowerment to walk it out. It's both and. Oh, let me keep you up with me here. (laughs) We'll go to this next one together. It goes on in verse 3, and it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, so first it says, has given. It's past tense. Say self. You have it. Sometimes you got to do self-talk, right? Especially in seasons like this. That's right, not TED talk. You call it a Cammy talk or a Scotty talk or a Laura talk. You call it whatever you want to call it you got to do some self-talk. Self, I need to remind you of something. Remember it said David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know that man was talking to himself all the time. We talked earlier about being joyfully undignified. He wasn't worried about what anybody thought. He wanted to survive, not just survive, he wanted to thrive. He wanted to be victorious in every single season that he was in. So he was willing to look a little, you know, interesting. I sit in my car and I pray in tongues and I think the people next to me must think I'm insane. So this is what it looked like. And they're probably like, Jesus, what is that woman doing? I don't care. I need a word sometimes. I'm driving by a building. I sense something. I don't know what's going on. I need a word. Right? Or the enemy starts coming against my mind or against my thoughts and tries to bring that stinking thinking, and, and I'm like, self, this is who you are. This is what God says about you in Jesus' name. Amen? Yeah, I love this. I love God's word. Isn't God's word good? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine power, the power of the Holy Spirit, is necessary to overcome and to live a life of godliness. You cannot do it all in your own strength. I cannot do it all in my own strength. And I tried for years. I'm going to be honest, okay, because I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Let's get her done. Get her done. Why is everybody sitting around doing nothing? Nothing. You know, I was straight up Martha. I was like Martha on steroids. Not only was, were you, you not helping me in the kitchen, but I had 17 other things on my list that needed to be done, and I wanted to know why everyone else wasn't on task. Okay? Because I had a vision, right? I had some things that I thought needed to be done, or maybe they were from the Lord and they did need to be done, but that wasn't how they were going to get done. I needed to take some time like Mary and sit at the feet of the Lord and enjoy him. And receive the things that I needed, the life that I needed, so I could walk in the godliness and with great ease, like we were talking about earlier when we were prophesying, walk those things out. I think Cameron said, When God, when we rest, God works. When God rests, God rests when we're trying to work, right? That was so good. His divine power has already given us everything we need through Jesus and through Holy Spirit in us, amen? His divine power has given us everything we need for life. That word life there, this is so interesting. In the Greek, the Greek number for life, do you want to know what that is? It's two, 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 two. It's all twos. Two is Jesus' number. For those of you that don't know in the Bible, it's bet. That's Jesus' number. Two, 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 the first mention of the numerical value of the Hebrew word 2 tu two, 2 is achava in the New Testament. It's when Abraham goes up the mountain and it says that he gave his son, his one and only son that he loved. And the Lord's talking to him. That's the first mention of the word achava, love, in Genesis. That was tu two, 2 2 Come on, somebody. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And zoe life is Father, Son, Holy Spirit in me. We live our life for him. Zoe, it means life physically and spiritually. All life throughout the universe is derived from Zoe. It always only comes from and is sustained by God's self-existent life. Come on, can anybody say amen to that? The Lord intimately shares his gift of life with us as people, creating each in his image which gives all of us the capacity to know his eternal life. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. We need his life to live a life of godliness for him, right? Godliness is a, f- a fun word, actually. I forget how to say it. It doesn't matter in the Greek. But it's a combination of EU, which is you, which means well and Sebomia, okay, which means to venerate or pay homage to. It means to properly give someone honor, someone's inner, proper, moral, pure response to the things of God, which shows itself in godly piety or reverence. It's a godly heart response. In other words, it's like having pure motives. You remember the scripture that says, that um, everything will be shouted from the rooftops in the end, right? That there's nothing hidden or covered before God. Godliness is getting to the point where it doesn't matter anymore because the motive in your heart is pure even if you miss it, right? Isn't that cool? I just thought that was so cool. So his divine power has given us everything we need for this life, for this Zoe, to live in unity with him. And... It's given a- us everything we need through our knowledge of him and his good and precious promises to live this godly life, this honest life, this transparent life, this unhidden life, this light of walking in the light. as he's in the light. Okay? It goes on in 2 Peter 2, 3b, and it says, through our knowledge of him. There's only one way to experience peace and grace and life and godliness. We must know him more. We must know him more. It says, through our knowledge of him. I immediately, when I read this this morning, thought of that verse in Philippians 1, 9 through 11 that says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that... You may be able to discern what is best and be pure, okay, we're talking about life and godliness, what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Love is the highest law because God is love and love is a person, amen? So then it goes on to say, who called us by his own glory and goodness? And I thought, yeah, he did call us by his own glory and goodness, right? And I was quickened in my spirit, that verse that um, in Second Corinthians 3.18, where it says, and we who with unveiled faces all behold the Lord's glory, we're transformed into his image from faith to faith and glory to glory. We're transformed into that place of ever-increasing glory. That it's always increasing. God's glo- God is infinite in his nature, yes, scripturally, theologically. If you don't know that, he is. So that means there's always more glory to know of him. He's endless. He's infinite. So we'll always be going from faith to faith and glory to glory. So we're going to do some more self-talk. Say, self, you're never going to arrive. And it's okay. Because that is the great adventure. That is the great adventure that we have been invited into, and it's okay. And that's why we're encouraged, the Lord encourages us to remain childlike in our faith. Because children are always excited. Ooh, I wonder what's behind door number two. Ooh, I wonder what's behind door number three. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to unwrap these Christmas presents like Prophet Laura when she was little. would Unwrap them all and wrap them back up. I'm telling on her. I laughed so hard when she told me that. Oh, yeah, every single one. She'd unwrap them that night, sneak down, unwrap them, and then tape them all back together. And Scotty's like, I'm in on it too. I love it. That's childlike. That's childlike. You have that childlike heart where you're like, oh, I cannot wait to unwrap it. I'm so excited. There's an excitement to it. Right? It's beautiful. I love it. And then it says, so called us by his own glory, right? Unveiled face. That's that's a key. Unveiled face. Yeah. You got to take off the mask, right? Go to demask us with Paul. <laughs> right? Take that mask off. Set it aside. Here I am in all of my current season, with all of my current seasonal issues, Lord. And you're, as I behold you, I'm transformed. Because I come be boldly before that throne of grace. And I receive mercy, and you forgive me. And I receive grace, which is the empowerment to look more like you. And then Christ has formed in me more and more in greater measure and in greater measure and in greater measure. And literally, he gives us a portion, another portion of himself. And we get to give the praise right back to him. It's the greatest privilege of our life. The greatest privilege of our life. Then it goes on to say, through knowing his goodness, right? So by his glory and by... In goodness, by his own glory and goodness, he called us. And when I read that, I thought about that throne of grace. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way. And I think we don't think about that sometimes. Jesus was actually tempted in every way, yet w- he was without sin. So he's been rejected. He's been persecuted. Right? Right? He's had good-looking women come up, hello, sir. (laughs) I'm just saying, it's attempted in every way. I mean, let's think about this, practically speaking. He got annoyed or was tempted to get annoyed with the disciples. In fact, well, we'll get to that later. No, I I don't think I put that in here. I think that's in the book. In fact, he said, how long must I put up with you? Imagine the temptation that was going on on the inside of him for those words to come out of his mouth. You evil and perverse generation, how long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. You know there was all kinds of other conversations going on on the inside. And he was like, (laughs) we've been at this for three years. (laughs) How many times do I have to tell you the same thing? Right? And yet that wasn't a sin. So I'm going to take that one to heart. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You can too. (laughs) How long do we have to have this conversation? I love you. Right? And yet we know that he's perfect love, right? So it's okay to say that. It's okay to say that. We had the most beautiful conference recently with Joan Hunter and there was a gentleman here, Dr. Craig, that was here, and he has a book, and it's about emotional barriers. Until we get healed of the emotional barriers of our past, we will be hindered in our ability to come into the fullness of who it is God's called us to be, not because we don't want to, not because we don't have the desire to, but because there's an emotional wounding there that needs to be healed so that we don't react and we can respond to his goodness instead, and that's okay. Okay, so say self. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. I'm on my way. That's right. Right? I just want to say that. We don't want to be feeling bad. Okay. <laughs> so it goes on in 2 Peter 2 4. And it says, through these, through these what? His goodness and his glory. I was like, through these what, Lord? <laughs> I forgot for a second. <laughs> through these, his goodness and his glory. Right? He has given us, okay, so again, it's has, it's past tense, given us his very great and precious promises. Yeah, that's fine, 1-4, you're right. Okay, he has given us his very great and precious promises. That says 2 on here, Lord's saying it's 1-4 for those of you listening by podcast, thank you, Lord so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So through these, his good glory and his goodness, beholding and providing, beholding his glory and his beauty, and provide, he provides you access, okay, and providing you that access through the crown of grace like we just discussed, bless our Lord. You obtain that mercy and that grace, right? We talked about that. He has given, again, that's past tense. So to what end? So that. There's two reasons. First, so that we may participate in his divine nature. Think about that. Think about that. You get to participate in the divine nature of God, the Godhead. Hello? I mean, that just, if you stop and you pause and you think about that, that blows my mind. Every time we pray, we're participating in the divine nature. Every time we see something in the supernatural, we're participating in the divine nature. Every time we open our mouth and decree the word of God, we're participating in the divine nature. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. What an honor. What an honor. In the Greek, participate can also be translated, you might become partakers of the divine nature. So this is the idea of an exchange happening. Okay. In the Greek it literally means t- to properly emerge. Ooh, I just saw a butterfly. It means to properly emerge. So you're not coming out too early, you're not coming out too late, you're not overcooked. Okay? You're not you're willing to do the struggle, right? You know the process of the butterfly. It's got to struggle to get out of that chrysalis. Right, You're not just sitting there in a big lump, not willing to do the work to get out. If you're in the middle of a struggle, it's okay. You're on your way out. You're emerging into something new. And that is not a bad thing. That's a God thing, and it's a good thing. And you're about to look more like your Lord and Savior. Yes, you are. Love that. It literally means to become. It means you're transitioning from one point or one realm. Come on, somebody. Or one condition to another. Okay? So participating or partaking, literally you're partaking when you go between realms. First heaven, second heaven, third heaven. You're participating. You're becoming. You're transitioning. You're going from one point to another. You are participating. Whether that's in the spiritual realm or, or in a sense of a spiritual condition. So you got the first, second second heaven, third heaven, but you've also got love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? So there's the conditioning, the condition of your heart that grows, that fruit of the spirit that grows in you, that Christ in you, the greatest mystery that grows in you, and then additionally, that operating in the supernatural realm. I call it a Zion pass, the seal on our head. We make a joke about that here sometimes, about the Zion pass. I've got a Zion pass. I can go to Zion anytime I want to. I can go in and out of the supernatural. Why? Because I'm a daughter of the king. And the scripture tells me that I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So if I'm seated there, I can go there anytime I want to. Anytime I want to, and so can you. So can you. God is no respecter of persons. And then it says that that word partakers, and this is interesting, is actually koinonios. Isn't that interesting? For those of you that are familiar with that term, it literally means a joint participant, one that shares fellowship with, where a, an intimate relationship exists and there's a divine exchange that takes place. It's very similar to the word that's used in the Old Testament in Genesis, where he talks about Adam knew Eve. In other words, koinonia, when koinonia happens, something new is birthed, the two seeds meet. And something new is birthed. That blows my mind. The second reason is so that we may escape the corruption of the world. How many of y'all wanna escape some corruption? <laughs> Amen! <laughs> right? Lord, Mara Natha. I'm just saying Mara Natha some days, right? I was teasing the Lord the other day, and you ever have a tired day where you have a conversation with the Lord, and you'd be like, Lord, you know, you said you're no respecter of persons, and you took Paul up for three days. Can I just please have a heavenly vacation? I mean, forget the staycation. Forget the vacation. I want a heavenly vacation. I want to go away for three days with you and just hear the secrets of heaven and gaze upon your beauty and just come back different. <laughs> Would that be okay with you? So I'm hoping that he'll answer that prayer over the next 30 days while I'm on sabbatical here. But uh, it hasn't quite happened yet. So that we may escape the corruption of this world. That's the second thing, okay, that it does. And the definition in the Greek of escape is to flee from. Tell yourself, say self. Flee from that corruption. All right. Flee from those evil desires. Okay, there's a part that we play. It means to flee away from. It comes from the original... In the original Greek, epo, which is away from, and fuego, which means to flee, OK? It means to properly flee. So apparently, there's a proper way to do it. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I just seeing a kid, right? Do you run like a banshee, screaming and yelling, hollering, cussing everybody out? No. No, you don't. That is not the proper way to flee. You zip it, you move away, and you flee. Unless he tells you to say something, right? But if you're fleeing, you're going to be fleeing in a way that looks like Jesus, not like the world. Amen? But it does mean to run away, to properly flee. It underlines the previous undesirable connections. In other words, you're not just fleeing from a spiritual entity. You're not just fleeing from a relational situation. You're actually having to flee and separate from whatever connected you to that, that was in your heart. Does that make sense? Okay? Because if you, if, you, if you went to it, oftentimes there's something in you that drew you to it. You've heard of familiar spirits? Okay? Okay? Familiar spirits, do you have a situation where something negative or certain type of negative individual is always drawn to you all the time over and over and over again? That's a familiar spirit, okay? Okay? So there's something in your heart that also, that connection to you and your heart needs to go, okay? It says, it's also the need to move on, okay? Okay? So sometimes, just say self. Sometimes you got to move on. And this is a problem I actually have because I love so hard and so deep and I am so loyal. I am so, so loyal, loyal to a fault. And that's very common with Irish people. I am loyal to a fault. Patricia King spoke a word over me at a retreat I went to recently and she said, Stephanie, there have been times when you've Loved so much that you stayed too long, it's okay to move on. We have to for the sake because when we stay over our time, we're actually harming the individual that we're with. Because they're not able to learn whatever lesson it is they need to learn that's going to work, whatever it is God's trying to work in them, because we're too busy trying to keep them comfortable and safe, and happy. That's not my job. My job is not to make you happy. I hate to break it to you. I love you so much, but it is not my job to make you happy. My number one job is to glorify God, and so is yours. And we can speak the truth. We can speak the truth in love, but it is not our job to fix people. It is not our job to make their destinies come to pass. That's between them and the Lord, and they have to obey. Our job is to fulfill who it is God's called us to be and to make sure that we're doing it in a way that aligns with what we talked about today. Because if you're not, you're nearsighted and blind. And it's okay to be nearsighted and blind. We'll talk about that in a minute because, quite frankly, all of us start there. Okay? And that's all right. We'll get to that in a minute. That amen says yes. Amen, baby. Come on, say that. All right, this is my favorite part. Ooh, I love pictures. I love images. Spiritual growth is cyclical. God is a cyclical God. That's, have you heard of the book Circle Maker? Okay. God's harvests are cyclical. His feasts are cyclical. Time is cyclical. Dimensions and quantum revelation is actually cyclical. Okay. Our spiritual growth is literally cyclical. In other words... As we grow, we will hit each. These are the eight points that Peter mentioned in his letter. I'm just going to read through them. First one he mentioned was faith. Then second was goodness. Third was knowledge. Fourth was self-control. Fifth was perseverance. Sixth was godliness. Seventh was brotherly kindness. And the eighth was love. And I love the way this picture turned out because you see the two gateways, okay, or the bookends. Love is on the top because it's the highest law and self-control is on the bottom because the more you grow in knowledge and in understanding, it's harder to shut up. You got to have greater self control because everyone around you is in a different place, and you're like, "But I want to fix him, Lord." But I want to call him a pyre, Lord. He's like, "But stop talking. I didn't ask you to do that or to say that. Hush." Has anybody else ever been there? Is it just me? Okay. Say, self. No, shut, up. Oh, shut up. In the name of Jesus. Say what he says to say and do what he says to do, but we only need to say what he says to say and say, do what he says to do. And any time he tells you or you think you're hearing something that doesn't align with these qualities, you are missing the mark. And it happens, okay? We will miss the mark of love. We will miss the mark of brotherly kindness. But own it. You need to own it. And if you don't, someone in brotherly kindness will lovingly tell you the truth because they love you they're not going to let you get away with it people that don't love you are going to let you run around and do all kinds of crazy stuff and not say anything people that love you are going to be honest they're going to say hey you know let's have this conversation right but just like Scotty said earlier today, if you're going through some things, he was telling a testimony for those in the podcast about being rejected, okay, and some of the things that he went through and what happened They I'm not going to give all the details. But if you're in a situation where you feel like you're being rejected, sometimes God's working something in you, and he's actually on one of these components with you and trying to work that in you, and it's not about the other people. It's not about the other people. It's to me first, then through me. And if uh, when we're in a situation where pain is coming or opposition is coming or warfare is happening, it's always to us then through us. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to work in me? Okay? Spiritual growth is a process. Say, self, you're in process. might as well enjoy the journey. You might as well enjoy the journey. Because God is eternal, because this is an infinite process, because his love is inexhaustible, we might as well get used to change, people. We might as well just get comfortable with the idea of not arriving, get comfortable with the idea of going through this process over and over again. And eventually, the beauty of it is this, there will come a day where it no longer will feel like a sacrifice. It will be an absolute delight to your heart. It will bring you great joy. Great, great joy. So there's eight here listed. I thought it was interesting that there's eight things Peter names, and that eight is het in the Greek. Okay? It's het, it means gate. So every time you go through this process, you come through another gateway in the Spirit. You enter into a new level with the Lord. Doors open. You go through a gate into a new place. It's like being birthed over and over and over again. It's powerful. That hit me this morning. I was like, mm, I've been birthed a lot of times. <laughs> have you? I'm just saying. I don't know about y'all. But I was like, whoo, Jesus likes to birth me. Here. <laughs> right? And you have those moments. Push. <laughs> right? You get to that love level there and you're like, dear Jesus, I don't know if I can do this again. I'm out of breath. He tells us to rest. I want you to look at me. Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. I'm tired, Lord. I don't know if I can do this. I can't breathe. Look in my eyes. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me, child. And then we behold him. We bless her, Lord, in Jesus' name. We behold his glory and we're transformed, and all of a sudden we have the grace and the strength that we need to push again till the fullness of that comes to pass. So, we're going to work our way through this list, each one. I felt like we were supposed to talk about it because if the goal is to attain to these things and to be growing in these things in increasing measure, we need to understand what they are and what that looks like and kind of define. What each one is, so we know when we're at that stage. And because it's a cyclical process, I want to very clearly say this is not a hierarchy. So if somebody's on number one again and another person's on number eight, it doesn't mean number one person is low guy on the totem pole. All right? It just means they're wrapping it back around. Amen? Does that make sense? tracking? All right. So I thought this was kind of funny. You might not think it's funny, but this made me laugh out loud today. The Greek word for faith is pistis. (laughs) I'm sorry. I laughed out loud. I thought, well, that makes sense. (laughs) It means faith and faithfulness, belief. It means trust. It means having confidence. And I thought this was interesting. It actually means fidelity. Come on. Faith actually means fidelity and faithfulness. By faith you have been saved, and that not of your own. It is the gift from God. So faith is something that we receive. It says each man has been given a measure of faith. The Lord said even faith the size of a mustard seed can say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it shall be accomplished for them. Amen? So we're going to do some self-talk. self You got faith. You can move mountains. Yes, you can. You can move mountains. You got faith. It's a gift. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got faith. Actually, it was before that. Each man was given a measure of faith, but you activated it at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just do another activation. I'm just going to do this all day, if this is okay, throughout this whole thing. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for awakening now your full measure of the gift of faith in me for this season, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So I want to hear the testimonies about that, okay? So then number two is goodness. And this is the same word we talked about earlier, okay, in the earlier, where it says by his glory and goodness. It's that same word. It literally means moral, goodness, virtue, a gracious act. It means uprightness of heart, virtuous course of thought, okay, so you're able to think good things, it's not hard for you. You know how to take those thoughts captive and make it obedient to Christ. You don't have negative stuff running through your mind all the time. Okay. It ref- refers to also a feeling and an action. Okay, so your emotions start to become sanctified. Actually feel that this is true. I'm not just telling myself it's true and doing a positive confession of faith. I'm actually starting to feel in my emotions like this is reality. Moral goodness, okay? So the idea of integrity. On the outside, I look, I can at least get to the place where I have moral goodness, right? So I'm not embezzling money. I'm not stealing things. I'm not lying about things. I'm doing what I said I would do. I'm following through on my promises. Moral goodness, right? Just generic moral goodness. Even business people have this, okay? They don't know the Lord, people that don't know the Lord. Any particular moral excellence, such as modesty, purity, in the hence, it can be integrity in marriage, in finances, in relationships, in your thought life, in conversations. How are you talking about people? Okay? That's goodness. In partnerships, in business dealings, how are you doing your business dealings? You being above board? Or are you just trying to make a book? Right? You charge what God says to say? You hide in money places? Right? In your business dealings. In dress, the way you dress, right? That whole idea of modesty. In your home life, how you act behind closed doors, not just out in public when we're at church, right? Does it align? That's goodness, right? Oftentimes, goodness will start out in the public sphere, and then it works its way into our private life. That's pretty typical, and that's okay. It's part of the process. In your entertainment, in your family life, what are you looking at? What are you watching? Right? In your family life and in, in your self-discipline, the things that you do on a regular basis. That's goodness. The next one is knowledge, and I love this word. I say it all the time, so you guys are probably tired of hearing it, but gnosko. Okay? It literally means to know that you know that you know that you know something. It has this idea of experiential knowledge, okay? And knowledge of doctrine. This is what the word actually says about sanctification. This is what the word actually says about faith. This is what the word actually says about Jesus and what he's done on my behalf. This is the difference between Jesus and God. This is the difference between the throne and the Old Testament Righteousness and justice being the foundation of his throne and the difference between the throne of grace and the New Testament, right? It's theology. It's rightly dividing your word. It's knowing this, knowledge, experientially. It's not just here anymore. I can say it by rote, but I have actually am living it in my life. I'm applying the knowledge that I have. It's, it's not pride that, it's not knowledge that puffs up and makes me prideful and thinks I know everything. It's knowledge that actually builds Christ in me in such a way that I look more like him and people around me notice it. Does that make sense? Yes. It's knowledge gleaned from firsthand and personal experience, connecting theory, okay, the theory of the word, to application knowledge. It's gained by direct relationship, and it means it's the time when you have knowledge, your life in Christ begins to become evident. So people around you start saying things like, Man, there's something different about you. Yes, there is. I'm growing in knowledge. You're just not the same. Yes, that's true. No, I'm not. I'm growing in knowledge. Okay? Seeing someone healed is evidence, tithing is evidence. Our words and the way we communicate with, about, and toward other people is evidence of the level of knowledge that we have and have applied to our lives, okay? And it's okay. A lot of times we'll be good at one area and not great at another, and that's why it's a cyclical process, okay? Because God's a gentleman. God's a gentleman. He's so gentle, He's not going to come in with the, like the guy, the construction guy that gets the bulldozer and drops the bucket and ring, he's plowing everything down. Okay, now you have seasons where it might feel that way, but that's not actually what he's doing. He usually only deals with one or two areas at a time. I love that about him. He's so, so gentle. The next one is self-control. Okay, so we're looking now. At number four, that's the other bookend on the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, and self-control. So in the fruit of the Spirit are listed, love and self-control are the two bookends that, the caps, if you will, the end caps for the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Love results in all of those other things. This is what actually what love looks like. Self control means mastery. I was like, come on, self mastery. I love what Paul says. I beat my body into submission. And I'm not talking about some weird culty thing here, but in a spiritual sense, I beat my body into submission. No, you will not dishonor the Lord this way, body. You will not. You will be silent. You will text gently. You will respond graciously on Facebook. You will not err fully invent everything that's in your mind and in your heart because it does not represent the heart of God. Self-mastery. It means self-restraint. So that means you've got to hold something back. Self-restraint. God is not going to do that for us. That means we will have a desire to release things that need to be held back for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of love. And it takes discipline. It takes practice because self-control is like a muscle. You're working your shut-up muscle. You're working your don't-say-it muscle. You're working your be-kind muscles. You're working your, your muscles of all these things. You're working your edification muscles. You're working your prophecy muscle. You're working your seer muscles, but you've got to have self-restraint. That's why we ask the questions, Holy Spirit, what is this? You're working that self-restraint muscle. I'm not going to function in pride and assume I know what everything means. I'm going to restrain my pride, my flesh, right? W- what it, okay, now I know what this is because I used some self-restraint and didn't assume. And what do you want me to do about this? Right? Like Patty was saying earlier when she prophesied, I asked the Lord, like, what is this? What does this mean? If she hadn't asked that question, we wouldn't have been blessed with her answer today with what the Lord said. What does this mean, right? So self-restraint, again, I don't assume I know what it means. Now I know what it is, because I've asked, but I don't assume I know what it means. I'm not judging the situation or other people. Right? I'm using restraint to let the Lord inform. And third, what do you want me to do about it? And that, that's going to be found right in here. How to handle those situations. If it doesn't align with what's in there, you need to l- use a little more self restraint and go, go back to knowledge and find out what that is. What is he telling me to do? What's my responsibility? How do you want me to handle this, Lord? How can I best? What is best? What is pure? What is blameless? What is the best, the pure, and the blameless approach to this so that you can get all the glory and this individual can be edified and encouraged and strengthened? Isn't that awesome? Self-control. I thought this was interesting, okay? Part of the definition is actually continence. I, 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 I laughed. In other words, don't be going around crapping all over people. Okay? Don't do it. Or peeing all over people. I'm not trying to be funny, but it was continence. Don't be spreading your crap everywhere, all over everybody else, because you can't be quiet or be still. Words are hurtful. Okay? And there's been a lot of crappy words floating around on Facebook. It can be very hurtful. You can speak the truth in love, but continence is one of the definitions of self-control. I just kind of thought that was funny. I actually had to look it up because I thought, no, they spelled it wrong, right? And I thought, nope, it is. It's continence. It's talking about what it's talking about. I said, all right, Lord. But when I looked it up, this was interesting because I didn't know this was part of the definition of continence. It actually means sexual control and f- having physical control of your body. Getting to the place, okay, and with my situation, <laughs> you know, being married for 20 years and where I'm at now, I mean, I'm going to tell you what, I had to use some self-restraint because all kinds of people are coming out of the woodwork. Hey, I'm like, hmm. look away in Jesus' name. That man is not yoked for this because it's tempting, right? But it means sexual control. And I know sometimes we think it's easier for women than it is for men. But I'm going to tell you what, after 23 years, it is not. We have the same feelings, the same wants, the same desires. And I'm just going to say this, and I love you men. We've got to come up higher in this. The excuse that it's easier for women than men is a bunch of baloney. The reality is this. Historically, men have been getting their way sexually for a long time. And women are finally waking up a little bit and being like, yeah, no, no. No, thank you. So God is historically kind of in this season, in this era of the world, positioning men and calling you up higher in this area. I really believe that. And I'll be honest with you, I think that's why pornography is rampant. Because sexual lasciviousness, the freedom and the power that men have had all these centuries is finally being constrained And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay? Because you are better than that. You were made to protect women, to protect others, to honor others that are made in the image of God. And women and children and men, they're made in the image of God. They are made in the image of God. And when we can't restrain or control our own sexual desires to honor God or to honor others, that is a problem. And it's something God will give you, the, thr- the grace at the throne of grace. You can boldly be go before the throne of grace because he was tempted in every way, and you can get help for that. But you do need to get help. And if you're listening on the podcast, I, I just feel like I n- need to say this. It is time. I was telling a young son of mine in the Spirit that I believe it's hard for men in my generation, and I'm 45, I'm not afraid to say that, and those just above me, because there's a transition happening in the spirit. This next generation coming up understands, and the women understand who they are. The whole beaver cleaver thing is long gone, okay? Okay? I'm not trying to be funny, but men and women are working. Men and women are bringing income in. And these young men, they understand that if both are bringing in income, this is going to look like a partnership, not a master-slave situation. That's not happening anymore. Okay? It's about teamwork makes the dream work. And I'm not trying to diss men here, but I'm going to say what God told me to say. We are coming into an era where it has got to be a team. And if both people are bringing an in income, it's going to look a lot different. That means different conversations are going to be had. Different, we're going to have to talk about who's going to clean the toilet this week and who's going to do the laundry and who's going to help make dinner. Because women and men, we only us as humans, we only have a certain level of capacity. In in our generation, my generation through like sixties and seventies, we worked. And we were expected to do everything at home. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of broken women with some serious wounds because we did not shift. And some of that's our fault, women, okay? We didn't speak up. We didn't say, this hurts. We didn't say, I feel prostituted and used. We didn't say, I don't feel valued. We weren't honest, okay? Okay? We looked at our moms and at our grandmas and said, man, if they did it, we can do it. But it's a different time. I just feel like I need to say that. Please don't be offended. I love you. But we've got to say that. Prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word has been coming out about the reality that we're coming into an era where both the male and the female aspects of the Godhead, he made them in his image, male and female are going to be standing shoulder to shoulder and they have to be standing shoulder to shoulder in order to bring all the fullness of his glory, make it manifest in the earth. That means we have to be freed up as women to function in the fullness of who it is God's called us to be. And men have to be freed up as men to function in the fullness of who it is God's called you to be. That means our communication changes, right? We talk a lot of in Ephesians, and I don't know why the Lord has me talking about this, but I'm going to finish it. We talk a lot in Ephesians about the, the husband being the head of the wife. But we don't finish that verse that goes on and says they're mutually submitted one to another and that the husband lays down his life for the wife like Christ laid down his life for the church. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about advancing the kingdom of God and thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So what is it? God is calling families in this hour. Men and women and their children for a purpose. What does that look like? And it's okay if you're single. He's calling you. It's all right. Be Paul, you know. That's all right. Paul said you will have many troubles if you're married. Somebody that's married or has been married. Amen. Okay? Amen. Yes, you will. Why? Because you can't just obey the Lord. You've got to have a conversation before you obey the Lord. you got to pray with the other person. You, they have to get the same revelation you have because you got to be unified. Okay? It's a whole different ballgame when you're married. All right. I'll get off that bandwagon needed to say that. So self-control. After self-control, we have perseverance. And I just want to say, okay, I am not saying men are bad. Men are amazing, and we love you, and we need you, and we want you. But I am saying this is what God is showing me and needs to shift for this new era, for the fullness of his glory to come to pass, for women to come into the place that God's called them to be. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying be open to ways Holy Spirit might be asking you to shift, okay? I love you. Perseverance, okay? Perseverance, in the King James, it says endurance is another term that it uses, okay? It's such a fun word. It's hupom, hupomone or hypomone. I just think that's a fun word. It, it means being willing to remain behind. Ooh. does anybody else not like Kuwait? <laughs> I mean, come on, we're the drive through generation. None of us like to wait. Where are my fries? Oh, my gosh. I've been sitting in this line for five minutes, and they still haven't given me my fries. And then it is an absolute nightmare if I have to drive back through for ranch sauce because they forgot to put it in the bag. Okay? We are the drive through microwave, podcast, fingertip, application, you know, depositing our stuff online through the banks. Everything's touch, touch, touch screen. We're the touch screen generation. So remaining behind and having to wait can sometimes require more self-control. It's like you go one step forward, you go one step back. These all build on the others. It means to be patient and endure. Say, self, you're going to have to learn how to be patient. Yeah. Have you ever heard anybody say, don't pray for patience? Everything falls apart. Don't oh, pray for patience. Whatever you do as a new Christian, did you hear that? Do whatever you do, do not pray for patience. It's a joke. It's a kind of a Christian joke, right? Because you're going to end up waiting. That's why. But patience may be the very thing that we're in need of, right? It means endurance, steadfastness, patient waiting. It comes from hypo, which means under, and meno, which means to remain or endure. Come on. To stay under whatever it is and remain there and endure. We're always trying to regal our way out of stuff. Right? Properly remaining under. Whoo, that'll preach. Somebody say proper. Proper, right? So there's just like there's a proper way to flee, (laughs) there's a proper way to remain under with all these other pieces, right? The goodness, the self-control, the knowledge, okay? This is so good. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord today. Especially as God enables the believer to remain and endure under challenges he allots in life. God is in control. I love the story of Job because in it we learn the reality that Satan does not own anything and he absolutely cannot do anything without God's permission. He cannot. In that story, he has to come before Father God and ask permission to sift. I've been. Where'd you come from? Well, I just came back from roaming here and fro all over the earth. And this is the conversation, and this is what I love. Sometimes we think if... We're under attack. That we've done something wrong, but that scripture, that book, tells us if we're under attack, we might have actually done something right, and God might be bragging on us. What did He say to Job? Have you seen my servant Job? Did you see that one? You see my servant Matt? Have you seen my servant Donna, Laura, Brent? Did you see that one? Because mm. Satan's basically coming to report. He has nothing to report. No one. To, nothing to do then the lord gives him permission he says okay well he wouldn't praise you if this if that he says okay i'll give you permission to do those things but do not take his life and job was so in love with god so convinced of his reality his knowledge and self-control and perseverance was so stellar even with boils all over his body his wife says curse god and die his own wife. He's like, I will not. Because he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew. Knosco. He had that knowledge. I know that I know that I know that I know what is written. I know who I am. I know who my father is. And I know what he's provided for me and what he'll do. And I know he is good. I will not curse him and die. Awesome. Awesome testimony. I posted a meme today on Shakina's site. I don't know if you saw it, but um, who was that by? Ryan Lestrange, I think. He said, uh, "I'd just like to remind you that Satan doesn't owe anything here on Earth, so stop giving him control over your life." I was like, "Come on, that's a good word." And I just want to correct something theologically for those listening by the podcast. Sometimes people see Satan's attacking me. Satan is not able to be in more than one place at a time. He is not omnipresent like God is. So if you're under attack, it's very unlikely, unless you're the Antichrist or the proposed Antichrist, that it's Satan himself. Okay? It's probably one of his demons or whatnot, or it could just be a problem you have in your own mind or soul. Okay, I just want to throw that out there. We give him way too much credit. Way too much credit. Okay? All right, so godliness. Godliness is the next one. Okay? And this is the exact same word that we used earlier. To venerate or pay homage. Devotion or godliness. Okay? We talked about this one already. It means in itself godly piety or reverence to have a godly heart response one that naturally expresses itself in reverence for God and I think that word naturally is really important it becomes more normal this is my normal response oh God you're good right I'm still on my cyclical cycle with red lights <laughs> God you're good thank you for saving me <laughs> from an accident in Jesus' name. (laughs) Because this person's still sitting here after three minutes. Right? So I'm still growing in that area. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) I'm like, I need you to increase my faith. (laughs) And I think sometimes God just wants to have a conversation with us, you know, because I can get vata vata, I can get kind of fast in what I do, right? Yeah, so good. The next one is brotherly kindness, the love of the brothers. Brothers. Okay, so we actually start to like the body of Christ and love them. They don't annoy us. They don't hurt our feelings all the time. We're not always offended. We're not always upset. We don't think everybody's wrong but us. That's brotherly kindness. And don't feel bad if you're in a place where you're not there because we all start there. And I'm going to explain why in a minute. Okay? Brotherly love, love of the Christian brethren. This is a place where everybody isn't annoying you anymore. You actually see the gift of God in them and you celebrate them regardless of what level of maturity they're at. You say, man, that's awesome, you know. And that doesn't mean that you don't lay boundaries, right? If you're having a hard time with perseverance or self-control, you might have to step away. That's okay. That's okay. But it doesn't mean that it's becoming more normal to respond with gracious behavior and responses. means to properly have affection for the brethren. To be like a loving friend to someone. Okay. I love this because it's from uh, Philos and Adelphos, okay? So it means a loving friend and a brother. So beautiful. And then finally, the other end cap, number eight, the chet, the gate through which we go over and over and over again is that, that glorious place of love, and that is agape, okay? That is agape. Love or goodwill. I want good things for you. I'm not trying to, what's the term you used earlier today? She's trying to throw you out there or something earlier you said. She's trying to tell on me or something like that. We're not, what was the term? Yeah, throw you under the bus, she said. She said, girl, she's trying to throw me under the bus. We're not always trying to throw people under the bus, We actually have good will towards them. I want good things for you, right? I'm thinking good thoughts towards you. It means to properly love, which centers around moral preference, okay? So to love in a way that aligns morally with the Lord's heart for the individual, which oftentimes will require self-sacrifice because that's what Jesus' love looks like. But it will always be truthful. And it will always be edifying. It means benevolence. It means to esteem or to honor, to think highly of another person. Not because you think they're worthy of it, but because they're made in the image of God. So I'm going to esteem this individual. I'm going to esteem the gift in them. Regardless of where they're at on this, at on this cyclical cycle right now. Regardless of their maturity level, we're going to esteem the glory of God on them because they're made in his image, we're going to esteem the gift in them, okay? We're not picking it apart. We're not picking people apart. So this was fun. Um, It said agape focuses on preferences. Like it negates out our personal preferences and says, I actually shift my preferences to align with God's preferences. And if Holy Spirit is moving in this direction, I'm going to come into a place of esteem, honor, and unity and say, Thy kingdom come. We did that really well when we prophesied over Scotty today. Everybody esteemed one another. Everybody waited the turn. Everybody jumped in and tried to help. The musicians kept playing up here. Each person brought their portion. We facilitated it in a way that made sense and was edifying. Things were submitted to other people when an individual wasn't sure how to say what they had. That's all love. That's all honor. That's all setting aside our preferences so that God's preference reigns in the room. And... You know, raise your hand if you were edified by that, Scotty. Did that bless you? Okay. Raise your hand if you participated in the giving and it blessed you. How much more fun is it? Isn't it joyful to operate in that way? That's what the family of God looks like. That's what a love family looks like. That's why love is number eight. We really are in a love war. Do what measure we are able to function in love towards others, or the love of God is meted out or worked out in us. Christ Himself is worked out in us. Is the measure of victory we'll have in our relationships, in our spheres of influence, in seeing the kingdom of heaven come here to earth? It's powerful. He refers to divine love. It literally means to prefer another. So it's giving deference to others. I don't know why I'm thinking about that verse that says, when a rich man and a poor man walk into a church, and we have this happen all the time, we give deference to the poor man as well, not just to the rich man who we know is a big tither or a big name. When homeless people come in off that street, we love them with the same, we prefer them the same way that we do the others. Because God is no respecter of persons. And that man is made in the image of God just like the other. It says we give greater honor to the more ignoble parts of the body, right? Sometimes if something's going on in an individual's life like that, they need a little bit more honor. Okay? I don't know why the Lord wanted to say that today. Father, we just praise you. You're so good. this is fun. This is so fun. Check this out. I was hoping Holly would be here because she would love this. I was like, ooh, little builders (laughs) analogy. I was all proud of myself on this picture. So Holly, you missed it, but I'll give you the PowerPoint slides. <laughs> it goes on in 2 Peter 1.8, and it says, If you possess these qualities, in increasing measure. In this picture, you can see all the little tape measures, right? Like, do you ever try to measure some things and go, Lord, can you remind me how far we've come? Because I need a, some self-encouragement here. During my self-talk days, it said David did that. He, he went back over and looked at all the things that God had done for him right and it's okay to do that and it's important to do that if you do not journal i am going to encourage you to start journaling and keep track of all the prophetic words all of the answered prayers all of the praises in written form so that you can go back and celebrate because sometimes you got to encourage yourself in the lord okay like we were talking about earlier you know sometimes you're out there doing your thing and you're pioneering and there's not a lot of other people around except the angels and they're already celebrating you, but, you know, sometimes they're silent. You need to encourage yourself. So it says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you want to be productive? Yes, me too. How many you want to be effective? Yes, I do not like to waste my time. Okay. I can't stand it. Okay, I'm not a tool person. I'm not a big tool person, but I get really annoyed when I do have to do builder stuff and the tool is not the right tool for the job. That is very frustrating, okay? So like those little cool little gadgets you see on Facebook where you can press the thing up against the corner to get the perfect cut, I am like, ah, that's what I'm talking about. Why? Because I don't want to measure it 15 times to figure out what those 17 angles are. I don't want to waste my time, right? The right tool for the right job. And sometimes we're going around that cyclical cycle we were looking at earlier, and the Lord's going, I got a tool for you. I got a tool for you, baby. And you need the right tool for the right job, and this is the one you need in this moment. This time you need self-control. Ah, this time you need love, darling. This time you just need to be kind, right? This time I need you to persevere and stay under this properly. This time I need you to flee. This time I need you to pray in tongues and increase your faith, Right? Sometimes it feels like we have a setback. If you notice, about five tape measures in there, six tape measures in there, that one's a little bit further back. Right? We start to persevere and persevere and persevere, and then something happens, and we mess up. We're like, and I did not use self-control. You're like, whoops. And that's okay. That's okay because we have seasons. Each season simply reveals the level of character that was forged in you in the last season so that you can continue to move from faith to faith and glory to glory. It's okay when stuff like that is revealed. It's dangerous to deny it and pretend like it doesn't exist. Because unless you're walking in the light about the reality about where you're at, mm, you can't move on, right? So I'm going to share a testimony. We talked about this in the Dream Team meeting, but some of you know what's been going on with my husband the last year. I signed divorce papers December 2nd. And my husband's been in an affair um, the last year. We were still married and he's living with another woman. And um, It's been hard. It's been hard. I found a level of self-control that I didn't know I had. That. <laughs> Quite frankly, that I didn't know existed. Okay, I found a new level of love for someone who... Really is hurting and was maliciously lashing out at me that I didn't know I could tap into. I mean, things that were coming back at me and being said both by him and her, I thought, oh, Jesus. And I just kept saying, Lord, I need more grace. You know, it took every measure of self control. You want to talk about divine restraint. Okay? Now, for those of you who don't know Irish women, let me tell you a little bit about us. You cross us, all your stuff goes out the window and gets burned, and we keep your car, and we probably call our friends to put a hit out on you. Like, straight-up Irish mafia, we have issues, okay? Because your yes means yes in our culture, and your no means no, and we are loyal to the bone. We have a problem, okay? So when I say a supernatural grace of divine restraint was upon me, it was, Because in our culture, the closer you are to my heart, the higher the expectation of faithfulness and loyalty is. Okay? Because I let you in. We built trust. I've been vulnerable with you. I've been very clear about my expectations. So it's been a year. So I just want to say to you, um, I'm not preaching anything at you today that I have not had to literally walk out every single day of this year. Now, we had 258 answered prayers. There's been prophet after prophet after prophet that's called me from across the state of Michigan telling me what God's doing in my husband and that this is not going to end in the death of our relationship. And yet, here I am looking at these papers 12 2020. And the Lord says, Stephanie, this trial, 12 is apostolic, a gatekeeper, 2 is a chava, it's Jesus' number. 2020 has seen it in perfect vision. He said, this trial brought you to that place of apostolically coming into the fullness of who I've created you to be and being able to love with 2020 vision when someone means you malicious harm. And I said, sir, yes, sir. I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't have picked this trial. (laughs) Anybody can relate? (laughs) I'm just saying. I actually said to the Lord, Lord, you don't understand. You've never been divorced. He said, oh, yes, I have. I was like, what? He said, I sent Israel away with a certificate of divorce. I was like, ooh, you do understand. He said, sometimes the depravity in people's heart, and because where there's love, there's liberty, love always gives freedom for people to choose. And what happened was, as I matured, I just kept giving more and more freedom and more and more freedom. And I was coming out of a place of being, you know, a little vata vata and more, I love you, what do you actually want? And I think for the first time, my husband was able to say, well, I think I want this. And I said, okay. So I spent three months grieving we prayed, I prayed 178 prayers of deliverance over ancestral spirits. When his dad died, the Lord said pray against ancestral spirits so he can be protected. I didn't know this at the time, but found out his dad was in Mormonism. That's a real problem. It's one of the five satanic sects of the demonic at the grassroots level. 178 prayers of deliverance. I prayed 17 decrees, marriage decrees over our marriage, 55 times. The church prayed multiple times for him. And um, I know God was working. Over 258 dreams, visions, prophetic words. So I get to the second, and I kept saying to the Lord, Lord, where is my ram? Abraham's story. I'm like, where's my ram? (laughs) It took some self control to sign those papers. It took some brotherly kindness to sign those papers. It took some love to not make a phone call. But I would do it that way all over again, because Christ has formed in me in a way that I didn't know was possible a year ago. The scripture tells us that the goodness and kindness of God draws men to repentance. It's the goodness and the kindness of God. So I'm going to keep being good and I'm going to keep being kind. When I went to the retreat at the Patricia King event, Mm -hmm. um, someone had a dream, and I went to that retreat looking for healing, trying to ask the Lord, Lord, do I need to let go? Do I need to stop hoping because I'm tired of hurting, and I'm, like, ready to be done persevering, right? Like, I was really starting to get emotional about it because things were getting real close, and I get there, and this woman goes, I don't know who this dream is for, but I had a dream. She goes up to the front of the retreat and starts to share the dream. And in the dream, she said, she's standing in this hotel, and there's an elevator there, and it's broken, completely broken down. And it's got all these walls up in front of it. Holy Spirit, woof. I'm thinking of the 30 prophecies that talked about the walls up in Shane's heart. Immediately saw those prophecies, and I knew, okay, this is about us. This may be an answer to prayer. I'm like, all right, Lord. She goes on to say, as I was standing there, this master electrician comes out of the elevator and says to me, you can take the stairs if you want to. And she said, but I knew I was so tired and so worn out, there was no way, I did not want to take the stairs and exert that much effort because I was worn out and tired and I was tired of climbing. And he said, but if you wait, if you wait for me to finish the work that I'm doing, you can jump in the elevator and you'll very quickly and easily just be able to go up to the top. And she said, and I knew, yeah, I want to wait because I can't do this in my own effort anymore. And I'm bawling like a baby, not saying a word. I'm up front taking notes furiously, crying, of course, thinking about my situation. She said, then the master electrician went back into the elevator. And all of a sudden, the walls that were around the elevator door fall down. And I immediately, again, thought of another prophecy we gotten earlier this year that said there's going to come a suddenly, which you were prophesying about today, where the walls are just going to fall down and everything is going to shift. And someone said to me, it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look because, again, I'm Irish. So I have a plan that I think God wants to destroy. And Lord, I just surrender to you, whatever you want. So she said the walls fell down, and then the master electrician came back out. And the the number one prayer of my heart that particular weekend was, Father, I don't want to be Hosea. Okay, if you know anything about Hosea, he was married to this woman, and she went out and was a prostitute. And four times she went out and had children with different people. And I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. I said, I really don't want to be a Hosea. I don't want to do this again. I'd rather just live the rest of my life for you than go through this with him again. Because h- what, what is this 260-some now? Answer prayers. Like, I'm willing to continue to hope, but this is so painful. I, d- I don't want to do betrayal again, right? So she says in the dream, these walls fall down, and the master electrician comes back out, and he says, and oh, by the way, When I'm done rewiring this, I'm going to fix this so good that you will never have this problem again. And I just went, you know, bald like a baby. So all that to say, God is good. And there are seasons that we come to in our life where God can only accomplish what He wants to accomplish in an individual when we give them the liberty to be the nasty mess that they are. And love them through that. And I want to be very clear I love Shane. And I do not want you picking up a banner of bitterness. And I do not want you being angry at Him. Because his mama got cancer two years ago and his daddy died last August and he hasn't been the same since. And it's got to be hard to be married to me. <laughs> I mean, look at how, look at me. Come on, let's take on the world, right? Like, how annoying is that, right? That's got to be hard. I'm not saying I'm an easy person to live with. Because it's all or nothing for me and I'm all for Jesus. Jesus. Right? So even as a man, I think that may be difficult. Right? Like, yeah, I'm going to give you my whole heart, but I'm going to challenge you to be all for Jesus, too, because we will end up there, not here, and this is a waste of our time to be about us. So I can imagine that was difficult. So please continue to pray for him and for me. And um, just for the record, on the podcast, I am not interested in your uncles, your brothers, your cousins, your friends, your exes. Do not call me, do not contact me, and do not send them my way. I love you. Patty's over here falling out. I'm serious, I'm not joking. That is not a joke, I'm dead serious. Okay, I love you. I am not interested. Should the Lord, or should Shane choose to resist and continue to do that, I will serve the Lord by the grace of God the rest of my days being married to him. I changed my status to, I left it married, but I changed it to married to who I put Yeshua HaMashiach. (laughs) I thought that was cute. I don't know, maybe it's just me. And then the Lord said, buy yourself a ring. So I bought myself this gorgeous ring. Now, this isn't a real one. I'm waiting for something to be able to do that. But this looks a lot like a ring I saw in a vision when I was at a First Nations revival earlier this year. I'm in a cave and and this was going on, and I was talking to the Lord about this situation. And he said, remember the word I gave you years ago? I said, what, Lord? He said, in Isaiah, I said, beula. You're married to the Lord. Your land is owned and protected by me. You are mine. Oh, I just wept and laughed and smiled. And in the vision, I'm in this cave, and he puts this huge rock on my hand. looks just like this, a single solitary diamond. It was absolutely gorgeous. And I was like, thank you, Father. And I've really had more peace since I signed the papers, as weird as that sounds, because I know God's doing his work and now I'm released to do mine until the Lord does whatever it is he's going to do. Okay? So I wanted to share that with you. Um, for those all concerned and religious and wanting to check up on that, you can find the public records and the interrogatories there, if you need to prove that it was an affair, do not write me, do not send me an email, do not try and contact my elders. We are not interested in having that conversation with you. But we love you in Jesus' name. So I want to go on to the next piece here. As we move on, it says that if anyone does not have these qualities, He's nearsighted and blind. And he's forgotten that he has been cleansed from past sins. So, if you're struggling in any of these areas, or you've been going around that cycle over and over and over again, or not being able to move from faith to that next area of goodness, it's because you don't know you're forgiven. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ died for your sins, and a single drop of his blood paid the full price, and you are forgiven, absolutely, of all of your sins, past, present, and future. You are forgiven, completely forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that Daddy won't discipline you, because he will. Salvation is not a free ticket to sin and apologize, and sin and apologize, but not really be sorry. That's not how it works. Very, very dangerous thing to do. But he does forgive you, and he understands if you're stuck. And if you're finding yourself in a pattern, you might want to check for some emotional wounds or landing strips. What's hindering me? What's stopping me from moving forward and get the help that you need, okay? I thought this was so interesting. Spiritually nearsighted and blind, okay? You can't, we can be spiritually nearsighted and blind. And I didn't know this, but as I was doing some research today, all did you know all babies are born with poor eyesight? Have you ever held an infant in your hand and it looks like it's all, you know, confused and its head's bobbing around? Its eyes are going this way and you're just as a mom, I don't know if you guys feel this way as a dad, but as a mom, I'm like, I just want my baby to look at me. I carried it in my womb these nine months. I want to have an eye-to-eye moment with this child, right? Well, it can't see me. This kid cannot see, Right? Many babies, when they're bo- even when they're born healthy, they do not have the ability to see. However, they, have developed the ability, they haven't developed They have developed the ability to focus their eyes, so everything's foggy, okay? Many infant Christians also have a hard time keeping their focus on the things that are good, that are noble, and praiseworthy. So when someone comes into our myths or out of the world and is just a brand-new baby Christian, they're not going to be able to see some things. They're not going to be able to focus. And our job is to love them. Look at how cute these little pumpkins are, okay? So if it helps you picture the baby Christians as one of these little nuggets, look at how adorable. Oh, there, you're so cute, right? You just want to hold them and snuggle them and feed them and give them kisses and sniff their heads, right? You ever do that, smell the baby head? Oh, I love the smell of a baby head. There's nothing like it. Newborns are nearsighted. They can only see 8 to 15 inches away. That's why if you don't hold them real close, when you're nursing, they're looking all over the place because they can't focus. In parallel, it's parallel in the spirit. Infants, Christians, are short-sighted. They can only see sometimes 8 or 15 minutes in front of them. That's why they're mad going through the drive-thru when the ranch doesn't come and when someone offends them or hurts their feelings. Because they're nearsighted. They're thinking about right now because they're still in healing and in survival mode, and that is okay. They're an infant in that area, and we need to love them and protect them, okay? Newborns are colorblind. I didn't know this. Newborns are colorblind. In the spirit, you know people that are black and white? Everything is black and white. There is a right and there is a wrong. Period. There's no gray. There's no grace. Right? Everything's black and white. That's a sign probably there's some immaturity. Now, that doesn't mean that truth isn't truth, that right isn't right, and that wrong isn't wrong. It does mean that as we mature in Christ, as Christ is formed in us, we're able to look at people a little bit differently. Like, for example, the testimony I just gave. Okay? Now, I, can, I am not deceived. I can see the situation from what it is. I'm not naive. I recognize the reality that there's freedom and there's a choice there. But I also am mature enough to know that love never fails and that I'm going to choose love no matter what. So it's not just black and white, wrong and right. It's being able to see a person's heart and go, man, that person must really be hurting to change who they are that much. After we've been together twenty years, and for things to be so different, there must be s- a deep, deep hurt there. Okay, that empathy comes up. I think that's so interesting that they. K- I was thinking of that. Isn't there a show called In Living Color? Yeah. I heard that that title when I was putting this together today and the Holy Spirit was reminding me of a picture that a friend gave me and it's a picture of this woman and she's worshipping and rainbows are coming out of everywhere the seven the seven spirits of God the covenant rainbow colors the seven colors and and sometimes as infant Christians you know we can only see black and white right wrong and right this person's wrong this person's right and we can't see the covenant rainbow aspect of it, the potential in the person, the intentions of the person's heart. It is always about, I was wronged and they did it. And that's just part of the process. It's okay. We, we shouldn't get mad about that stuff or be upset about that. Our job is to love people, okay? But as we grow in Christ and as we begin to mature, we start to see what happened in the situation, and then we can look past that to people's hearts and their motives and trust God and trust others with our hearts. Does that make sense? It gets easier and easier. How many of you have grown in being able to be vulnerable with other people in the last year? Yeah, it happens in increasing measure, right? It happens in increasing measure. And as long as you've got some movement going on, you are doing great. It's not about where you're at on the cycle. It's, did, am I further than I was yesterday? Or am I further than I was a week ago? Am I further than I was a month ago? And if you're moving, that's all that matters. That's all that matters, okay? We're just not meant to be stagnant, okay? So I'm just going to share this a little bit, s- something that came out of this. We were talking earlier about first, second, third heaven, okay? So an infant usually sees in the first heaven, Majority of their mind, their will and their emotions is concerned about things that they have seen in other people around them or in circumstances around them or in the media, heard in the natural something someone said to them, something did to them, something they heard st- on a podcast or from a pastor, or whatever. It's it's here in the natural, it's in a practical sense. They can't let go. Very, very black and white. It's a sign that you're still an infant in the spirit, and that is not a bad thing, but you do have to be honest about it because we've got to grow you up. Okay? And you need to, actually what you need to do is drink the word. Learn more about the love of God for you because the more you learn about the l- how much God loves you, the easier it will be for you to love others. It says love your neighbor as yourself. You're only actually able to love others to the measure that you allow God to love you. Right? So if you're not loving others well and you're in this first heaven where all those practical things are going on, it's very black and white and you're angry and you're upset a lot, it just means you need to let God love you some more okay? and spend some time and meditate on that. Who is God? How is he safe? How does he keep me secure? What does he tell me about how significant I am? Who does he say that I am? What are my gifts? What am I created to do? Let him love you. Take a year or two or three even sometimes and just get in the word and look up all the scriptures on who you are and how much he loves you. Okay, then you mature a little bit. You might get to the second heaven level, right? Where you're seeing demons everywhere. Have, uh, the second heaven people, kind of adolescent type people, they're usually obsessed with what's going on in the world. Again, this is not a bad thing. They're starting to practice seeing in the spirit, Okay they're seeing demon here, a demon there, this problem, that problem. That's not a bad thing. And this is actually cyclical too. So we'll go through patterns. Maybe we switch from seeing demons on people to seeing demons in cities, right? Same principle. We just came up a little bit higher and now we're kind of at an adolescent level at the cities. That's okay. Maybe then it switches to state. Then it switches to nation. Then to nations, right? We always start out that way because we have to know and be able to recognize the demonic and what's going on so it's good. But we cannot stay there. We cannot stay there. This is good information to have, but it's a sign that we're operating in an adolescent way, learning to see in the spirit realm, and that we need to come up higher like Jesus told John to do in Revelation. Do you remember what he said? He said, come up here. He was talking about the third heaven. Get your eyes off of what's happening on the earth and what everybody's doing to you, John, and that they try to boil you in oil. Get your eyes off the demons that are operating behind them, the Antichrist spirit that is coming after you. It is completely irrelevant because I am king. Come up here to the third heaven where it is finished. Come up here into the third heaven where I have made a way. Come up here into the third heaven where I rule and I reign over everything and let me show you what I have in store for the church. So the third heaven is where mature sons and daughters are able to ascertain an in increasing measure and understand God's ways. The purposes and function of love In an increasing measure, and one who looks at Christ, okay, we behold. We enter in and we come into morphine by beholding. And we enter into the courts of heaven and we get the divine solutions of love needed to remedy situations and bring kingdom solutions right here on earth as it is in heaven. And we become world changers. We're almost done. I love this picture, okay? We have got to embrace the process itself. Embrace the process. I like this picture because it's got all these moving parts in these cogs, okay? So that's kind of what the body of Christ looks like. We're not a machine, but there's a bunch of moving parts, and you can't control the moving parts. And wherever you're positioned in the body, you're touching other moving parts. So you've got to learn to work with others. Because if they're moving, you need to move, or you're going to get hurt, or you're going to break, right? If one of those cogs moves, and the other one's stubborn and stands like this, and I'm not moving, the little teeth are going to break off and it's going to get replaced. Okay? You will get replaced. We have to be surrendered to Holy Spirit and the process. Embrace the process. There are so many moving parts that God sees that we can't see yet. He has infinite vision, and ours is extremely finite. Staying in the process can feel very difficult and uncomfortable and like things are out of control at times, but maturity is where God is taking you, this highway of holiness. I'm just going to read this real quick. This is one of my favorite verses. I asked the Lord a long time ago, about 15 years ago, where he was taking me, and this is the verse he brought me to, which is kind of funny considering where I was and where I am now. He says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. In other words, you're safe there. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. Come on, somebody. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion. So what is this highway of holiness? That's how you get to Zion. You want the heavenly encounters? You want to see Jesus face to face? You want to be before his throne of grace? You want to come up here like John the Revelator did and get that kind of revelation? That's how you do it, the highway of holiness. It says, they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Come on. Sorrow, go in Jesus' name. Sighing, you ever get like that? Oh, 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 oh. Sighing, go in Jesus' name. Those are spirits, they need to go. They are not welcome in your temple, in my temple, amen, not in mine. Yeah, that's right, it's God's temple. Mm -hmm. We have responsibility over that. And finally, we get to this last verse, and it brings it full circle about what we were talking about in the beginning. It is possible to get to a place where it no longer feels like a sacrifice, and I can say for the first time in my life, and if you don't have a Passion Translation, I would encourage you to get one. It has so blessed me this year. So blessed me. Especially Song of Songs. In the Passion Translation, specifically, it is an absolute love story and a process through which God takes each one of us to arrive at being completely afire and on flame, a flame for him. And this is what it says in uh, chapter eight. Verses 5 through 7. Yeah, let's start there. This is the bridegroom king speaking. That's Jesus. Who is this one? Look at her now. And for the guys, I'm going to say, look at him now. Who is this one? She arises or he arises out of their desert, clinging to their beloved. When I awakened you under the apple tree, As you were feasting upon me, I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth. As you longed for more of me, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. The living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and of the grave. All-consuming is the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. Come on, come on. That got me excited. And I got a taste of that this year. I was like, well, (laughs) this is the call. We say that a lot around here. Well, honey, this is the call. And I'm not being trite or flippant, But I think I've gotten to. I think it can come across that way sometimes when you're in the press, right? Like, what do you mean this is a call? I'm hurting over here, sister. No, this is the call. You're one step closer to it not feeling like a sacrifice anymore because the fire of God and the love of God is being so worked in you that you're like, "Well, this is the call. Let's do this, Lord." And it's not a sacrifice anymore because we've tasted and we've seen that he's so good. He's so awesome. He's worth it every single time. And the exchange, the divine exchange that happens, the glory and the grace and the goodness that we get to see and that we get to taste is worth every single bit of pain and persecution and problem that we face. And it's such a joy because he always wins. Love never fails. He always wins. We always get the victory. He always does what he says he's going to do. So we are just like, whoo. I'm just going to wait for my God to do what he's going to do. And I'm not scared anymore. And I'm not sad anymore. And I'm not worried anymore. And I'm not in a hurry anymore. Because if it don't happen here, i got all eternity to wait. And I'll tell you what. Laura and I were joking today. We talk a lot when I'm on the literal throne (laughs) because I have to multitask. I don't know, TMI, whatever. It's true. So I was talking to her this morning, and um, we were teasing about uh, there's a day coming. If they don't get it here, they will get it there. In the scripture, it says that I will cause, I will make those who called themselves Jews but were not come and bow at your feet and admit that I loved you. That's what the scripture says. And that's not prideful to say, I told her, I was laughing this morning, I'll be like, well, Lord, you heard him. I mean, that's not pride. God said that. There's going to be a day with certain individuals where he will make them come and bow before, bow, and admit that he loved us. So that, that encourages my heart, because justice prevails and continues when we get there. How we treat people on earth is so important. It is so important. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He says that when we get in, actually all of our works will be tested by the fire, and some will be burned up hay and stubble because it was done with all the wrong motives. That's why that goodness component that we talked about in the cyclical cycle is so important. Why are we doing what we're doing? I want treasure that remains. We we want to be doing it as a living sacrifice to him with a heart that says, this is about you, not us, Lord, but knowing he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and there's a day coming when we will be greatly rewarded because he's a good father. And he's such a God of honor. Honor is so important to him. He says in the scriptures, there will come a day when I will make them bow at your feet and admit. That's when he's talking to the seven churches in Revelation. And I'm not going to feel bad about that because I'll tell you what, if some people don't repent before I get there, there's going to be a lot of people bowing. And I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to be like, mm, what my daddy said. And I'll bless them, but I'm not going to feel bad. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And quite frankly, I don't think we fully understand honor as a church. When an individual endures, when an individual endures, they're due honor. Because it's actually the divine love of God at work in them. So it's actually not them that deserves honor, right? It's Christ in them. It's in that they were willing to do the violent act of faith to see Christ formed in them. And there is a cost. He says we've got to sit down and count the cost, right? Does a man go to war and not sit down and count the cost first before he goes? Yes, he does. Does a woman do that? Yes, yes. same. He's worth it. He's worth it. I'd do it all over again. He is worth it. But that's why the Lord talks about honoring people. That's why he talks about the elders in the church. Your elders are worth double honor. You want to know why? Because all hell breaks out against them to try to ruin them. That's why, and I'm not saying this for me. You have no idea. Okay, I did not want to lead a church. I didn't want to do it. I'm going to be honest. But Daddy said it. Sir, yes, sir, I'm willing and obedient. I changed my want to to align with yours because I want your preferences, not mine. But it gave me a great understanding of the persecution and the troubles and the struggles that leaders go through. And they are worthy of double honor. So even, you know, the the smaller churches, right, I think actually it's harder on them. When I see pastors now, I'm just like, hey, how are you? It's so good to see you because it's constant. Not only do they have the regular personal attacks that come, they have the professional attacks that come, and then the corporate body attacks that come. It's a Totally different ballgame. And on top of that, all of the responsibility for the well-being and the care of the body that they're overseeing. And they're held to a higher standard. So we get in trouble a lot more than you do, <laughs> or those that aren't elders do right? We get in trouble. We're actually held to a higher standard of love, a higher standard of kindness. So that discipline comes swift. There's no, we don't get to wait six months a year or whatever. It's like spank, spank. Ah. Sometimes it feels more like a taser. Sir, yes, sir. Right? So I want to encourage you guys today. This process that we're in, it's not going to last forever in the sense of the pain and the persecution and the difficulty part of it being the prominent component. We do get to a place in him where the rivers of pain and persecution cannot extinguish the flame, where the endless floods are unable to quench this fire that burns within us, where everything becomes consumed. And it doesn't even seem like a sacrifice anymore. I love you so much. God loves you so much. We talk about activation a lot, the process of making something active or operative. We've been doing that all along today. We talk about the fact that revelation brings responsibility and that spiritual gifts can be caught, taught, and activated by faith, and that's what we're going to do right now. Now, I'm just going to reiterate, Revelation comes through all five senses. So what is this? Ask Holy Spirit what it is. He may show you something or tell you something. What is this? And what do you want me to do with it? Okay, let's practice that humility. And if you want to receive the baptism of fire, just repeat after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I want you to baptize me with your fire afresh today and grace me to get to the place where it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice anymore. All right? And Holy Spirit, I am upset about you fill in the blank, or I am struggling with you fill in the blank. You don't have to say that out loud. You just tell them between you and him. And I invite you now to show me where you are in the process and what aspect of godliness you're working in in me. I surrender. Now have your way. What do you want to give me now? Okay, so picture laying whatever that thing or that situation is before the throne and the individual's. Lay them before the throne. Holy Spirit, what do you want to give me now? What is this? If you've seen or hearing something, what is this? What does it mean? What is it for? What does it do for me? What does it give me? you have the answers to those questions. Just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You literally just received more of his glory. You literally look more like Christ right now than you did when you walked through those doors. Come on. And that's something we're celebrating. All right. I love you. God loves you. Thank you for the grace. Let me go a little bit long today, you guys. Be sent in power, in glory, in grace, and in great, great joy in Jesus' name. We will see you guys next week, okay? Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, and more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled, Listener Support on Every Podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.